book in a bag. <laughs> Back to our favourite time of the week. It is Moaning Mondays. We're here covering one of my favourite smut busters. And by smut buster, if you haven't heard of this term before, you clearly don't follow me on a lot of things and you clearly haven't listened to a lot of our episodes. So fuck you, A. And B. (laughs) And B. It's Theirs for the Night by Katie Robert. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. It's 69 pages. And it is fucking brilliant. Where's where's my Kindle? Where's my Kindle? Mm, Here it is. I did this. Was 69 pages. Definitely could have been. Definitely could have been. Katie, if you listen to this, can you let us know if that was intentional? Yeah, Katie, let us know. But yes, Katie Robert is one of my favourite smut buster authors. She does uh, quite a few of these um, smaller books that are just chef's kiss. And we appreciate her for that. She's doing the Lord's work. We love your work. What are we drinking? Mate? I'm really proud of myself because I did an on-theme beverage, all right? Are you ready? Strap in your titties. Because we have two love interests in this book, I am drinking two drinks. I am double parked. So we have Blue Eyes, which is a gin that looks blue when I dilute it, and that's for Theo. <laughs> and then we've got a vanilla Coke and rum, essentially, for our dark and broody. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we are literally, I, because I wrote in my notes that I was just drinking rum and coke, but I'm drinking rum and vanilla coke as well. Whatever she gets, the coke and royal is like a vanilla rum. So I was like, Mm. I don't have the budget to go and buy a whole new bottle of rum. This gin was $75 the other week. So here we are. And yeah, look, I'm drinking wine just to be different. So going off theme (laughs) as per my standard and... I feel like I now have the palate of a late 30 <laughs> single mum and I'm just drinking white wine. So, you know what? That's just me now, so let's just, just press it. You know what you like? All right, so how did we all feel about the book, okay? How did we all feel? Well, again, I went in blind. What's new? Absolutely nothing. The only description I had was when Georgia was sending us, like, group Snapchats and she was just shook because she's like, there are these two men that are fucking this woman and they're definitely kissing over the top of her. And I was like, interesting. But mm. I... Adored this book. I tore through it in a couple of hours. I read it secretly at my job, like in between tasks, because I had to know what happened next. And that was very difficult to do for numerous reasons. If you're my employer, you don't know that. Basically, the love between Theo and Galen stole the show for me, and it was hot reading about them. And that was even before you consider a female third in that entanglement. It was the whole time. I love this book so much that I immediately went and bought the sequel. And I read that in a day as well. (laughs) When I bought this book, it was free. So if you want it, it is free currently, I think. And if not, well, it makes sense why the the sequel wasn't free because she ended up getting my money anyways. (laughs) Yes. Something I didn't like about the book, though, was there was a couple spelling mistakes or words that were just straight up missing from sentences. But, hey, it it was a free book, so I don't care. It was free. It was 60 pages. Fuck it up. Fuck it up. I didn't even notice. (laughs) I was too distracted by the penises. Mm -hmm. This book for me was probably one of my more preferred smart books that we've covered thus far. Because there's no one's related, guys. Absolutely no one. No (laughs) one's related. It's fantastic. And... There has been no inappropriate yes, usage of oil true. thus far. That's far. Off to a great start. Although, 
it did make me realize just how almost <laughs> boringly straight I am. I am all here for gay and queer relationships as a supportive bystander, like <laughs> lovingly saying words of praise and affirmation and waving my flag as an ally. But hopping on in amongst multiple peni is just not my jam. It's not my journey in life. And that's okay. Oh I'm happy to read about it though. <laughs> and I did enjoy reading about it. Everyone's Everyone having is. a great time. I love some royal scandal. And I pictured Galen as a gruff version of Chris Hemsworth. So I've got no complaints. God, wonderful. Yeah. But with an accent as well. I thought he was like Greek. (laughs) Well, the country they hail from, is that actually a country? There's a lot of problematic stuff in the sequel Mm. book about that country, so I'm assuming it's not based on a real place. So I love Katie Robert. Her books are just, as I said, chef's kiss. She is great. I've read a lot of her books and I love pretty much all of them. I also love male male female. I just love it. I love where all the parties are equally involved and enjoying the situation as much as the next person. It is brilliant. And there's too many books out there that are simply like both men just simply enjoying the woman. So this is like a nice breath of fresh air for me. I really loved it. And yeah, I just, I think this book is just a great, small, smart palate cleanser. Like it's a lot of smart. It's a lot. And it's a little bit crazy, but it's just 69 pages of this wonderful night that everyone has, but they're all enjoying themselves. What more can you ask for? If I had that at 23, fuck me up. What a time to be alive. Yeah, look, things might have turned out differently. But get started. Chapter one. (laughs) There are only six chapters, so just buckle in for this. So... We start this book with our main character, Meg Saunders. She works as a bartender and it is her 23rd birthday. We basically find out a snowball of information about the fact that she's stressed about money. She's struggling to make ends meet, AKA she broke. And I can personally relate to this. Yes. Meg (laughs) is working with her friend Kara and Kara is trying to convince her to go out on the town and let her hair down for her birthday. Meg thinks to herself, and the quote is, the only thing I want is to go to bed and sleep for 12 hours. And that's what I can relate to because that's all Mm. I want to do. Well, Meg has run out of financial aid because that's the thing in America. You can't go to university without paying for it. Yeah, no hex debt fucking weird. Anywho. Mm. Although my hex debt is like 60 grand. I didn't even get a degree out of my hex debt and I've still got one. Yeah. I got nothing from it except for Mm. a headache. We're broke. We don't have financial aid. Shit's hitting the fan. So the only way we can make it through to study to become an accountant, mm. a real accountant, not a spicy accountant, is to work multiple jobs. One of which being at the bar, working as a bartender, which I, I could respect. Not. I could not do that. I do not have the personality for that. I can't talk to people that I don't See, know. See, I could do that part. I just couldn't handle getting hit on all the time. It would make me literally yeah, want no. to fly kick someone in the head. But from here, I initially assumed that this book was going to be about two straight men spit roasting a girl. And my immediate <laughs> thought was, huh. One of the roasters will be rich and solve all of her money issues. No, no, not far off. off. Meg is studying to become an accountant because of trauma. And the quote is, she would have happily broken dozens of laws as a child to have a reliable income that paid the bills. Nothing, nothing would stop her from carving out the kind of safe space that financial security created. Isn't that just the truth? All we want in life is not enough money to be fucking idiots with it. But just the amount of times that I go, God, I'd love to win the lottery and I don't need a stupid amount. So Kara is basically like, come on, Meg. 
let's go the fuck out. And she comes out with this quote, I know you're broke and stressed and worried about full tuition, but if you don't take some time to cut loose, you're going to explode into a Meg-shaped puddle of anxiety and brains. Again, I just relate to that. Meg agrees to go out and Kara dresses her up. She looks hot and she has great tits. Life is great. We get this quote again. She might be an inch away from indecent exposure on both her chest and ass, but she'd be damned before she let anyone know exactly how uncomfortable she was. That's what you have to do when you used to go out to town and you put heels on and you have yeah. to march in heels. You have to walk confidently because if you give in to weakness, you look like you Bambi do. on ice. No one wants that. And also, I okay. have a rule. It's either boobs or legs. It cannot be both. You choose which one. Actually, no, the tracks. I'm thinking. Dealer's choice. I'm thinking of how I dress. And yeah. I can't relate because I don't actually have boobs. So (laughs) Meg and Kara get to the bar and a bouncer lets them in, but not before he gives a quick slap to Kara's bottom, which is disturbing. (laughs) I really got George's little slap motion. (laughs) It was just the word bottom. bottom. Not ass, not caboosey. Not the the other words we've called asses. No, you're like, bottom. One thing I do like about this series is that the author describes places and uses quotes like, it was just another flavour of every other club in New York and things of that ilk. So you can just copy and paste this scenario into your everyday normal life and go, yes, it is a normal club in Adelaide and I am there and so are these two hot men who are about to give me a fantastic birthday. Anyway, Meg is checking out all of the people at the bar because she is a mm. bartender and that's what bartenders do. And so it's a habit for her. But then there are two guys and one is staring straight at her. Meg freezes because even his eyes, and the quote, stoked a heat inside her that had no business existing. <sighs> Mm. You shouldn't feel heat in the Unless vagina. you're using a, That's a, just um, not... a warming lubricant. Oh, I have one of those. Quite nice, yes. But walking into a place <laughs> of commercial enterprise and seeing a fellow human, are you, you saying, should not feel heat. Are you saying in any you form. walked into a club and Charlie Hunnam is there and Charlie Hunnam is looking at you mm. very intently that you're not going to feel warm down there? I wouldn't feel heat. I would would feel wet. Strap in the titties. Oh, dear. So (laughs) he is hot as fuck. And then he, like, says something to his friend. He's like, hey, look at that hot chick over there. And then we get this quote. Where the first guy was almost pretty, if a woman was willing to cut herself to pieces on his beauty, this one was rough and unfinished and screamed danger in a way that made her nipples go tight. So that's beautiful. Meg basically, after she gets very distracted by the gorgeous men in the corner, she loses Kara and she ends up just toddling along towards the bar and she spots her. And she's basically gotten them free drinks because indecent exposure with the ass and the titties will do that. That's terrifying. It's really bad, actually. Yeah. Um, it, it may be very un- <laughs> Please be safe. <laughs> Yeah, it made me, it, as much as I love the idea of getting free drinks and not having to pay for it, I do not, that whole scenario of letting some random person buy you drinks is very just anxiety inducing. 
Kara offers Meg either a cranberry vodka or a crown and coke. I did my research. I looked into it. And so a crown is very, it's basically a vanilla rum. So it's essentially a rum and coke. And Meg chooses the rum and coke. And we can relate to that on this podcast. Again, we don't do vodka because Ellie gets mean. Well, considering vodka is a Russian invention, I just I just become Vladimir. <laughs> so Meg looks at where the two men were and they're no longer there. They've just disappeared. They have Faye. No, they're not. She feels disappointment, but she just shakes oh, it no. off. Oh, no. T-Swift, she's coming back. She goes onto the dance floor and she's dancing with Kara. And then Kara disappears with a hot guy. And then grinding ensues. And this is something that has never happened to me. When I was single and I was out of college, I'd go out with my girlfriends. And maybe I just didn't get drunk enough. But I swear that any guy that approached me or tried to touch me would get just like a fucking look of death. And I would swiftly move away. Or I'd be too drunk (laughs) and I would, again, just get mean. Anywho, meanwhile, Meg's all on her lonesome while Kara's grinding up on this guy because clearly she has no issues with that. And she's just watching her friend drive up a stranger. Unfortunately, the patriarchy appears and the guy gets handsy. Meg doesn't even have a chance to register the hands groping her before the hand and the body that it was attached to are gone. Yeeted. They're yeeted. She loses her balance then. She, because obviously the hands that were groping, touching, she's fallen. But someone catches her. It's the hot guy who we are calling Blue. And the other hot guy who we are calling Dark and Broody is dragging the handsy guy away. We love that energy. He then asks if she's okay, and she is like, sure, bro. Oh, dear God. Dear God, bro. We did not need that. Why did you bring the bro into this? I don't know. I am unsure. But then he leaned down, giving her plenty of time to react, and spoke in her ear. Dance with us? And goosebumps. Like, there's a couple bits in this book where they're very big on consent, and they're Mm. like reaffirming it they're checking in and i like the giving her plenty of time to react to him getting like going near her head because if a guy tried to do that i'd be like what the fuck you're getting a headbutt right so he's just said dance with us us being the interesting word and meg's also going that is very interesting she's like am i picking up what they're putting down maybe but she agrees anyways and she's thinking that they're probably gay but then she's like maybe they're not gay it's hot regardless I'm into it. Um, And we get these little insights into their characters. So she thinks that Blue Eyes seems like the fun, cheeky one and Dark and Broody seems to have like more military type qualities. But they take her to the dance floor and then all of a sudden the dance floor is getting like really packed and there's no space between them. It gets really fucking hot because when they were dancing, they were like moving her between them like a seamless unit. Like they just knew. And now there's no space and she is sandwiched. She is in a sexy Meg sandwich and it's so hot. (laughs) Oh my God. We get this quote and it's, have a drink with us. There it was again, that word ripe with meaning, us, as if they were a unit and she could take them as one or reject them as one. Ooh, I do not like the word ripe. Me neither. So Kara appears and we'll put this in quotation marks, saves Meg. She drags her into the bathroom to debrief. But then Meg is like, no, 
Put me back in, coach. Oh, go! <laughs> I was hoping you would get that oh, in. Wow. There. And then we get this quote. I know you don't really hook up, but this might be the time to make an exception. If I had a guy, let alone two, looking at me the way they are looking at you, I'd consider breaking my rule about going home with strangers. They were looking at you like they wanted to take turns eating you up. Yes. Yes. Stop it. I love it. So Greg then proceeds to leave the bathroom and blue eyes and dark and broody are just waiting outside the bathroom for her. We then again get Kara's pep talk, which I love. I give you permission to go home with them and do the kind of filthy things you'll embarrass your grandchildren with stories about when you're old and senile and drunk on red wine. And then we get follow that straight up with, you sure you're good with this? I fully support it if you are, but if you need a save, I will hustle you out of here like you're the nuclear football and I'm the head of the secret service. I just love her. I, I like, love her. Beautiful. Oh, I, I love like, that. Perfect. She's like, babe, you deserve to get that dick. But if you don't want that dick, I will hustle you the fuck out of here, babe. We are now in Blue Eyes, a.k.a. his name is Theo. So therefore, his name is Teddy. So we're now in Teddy's point of view. He watches Meg and he's like, a challenge that I accept. I am coming in, <laughs> literally. Galen, a.k.a. Dark and Broody, a.k.a. Chris Hemsworth, please fuck me, says it's okay for a night. Don't forget mm-hmm. we have a tragic backstory because they do. We just don't know it yet because there mm-hmm. is plot to this book if you hadn't already guessed. Teddy compares the way that Meg looked at him when they first made eye contact with a storm. And we all know that that's Brian. It Lord. is any the type eye, of like eye comparison between. reference to storm oh oh mm-hmm. weather event yeah i love weather, weather events. <laughs> and then look we get this moment where i felt bad for you ellie because theo then starts calling meg a princess and i was mm. like oh ellie's not gonna like that one so why must meg, we do this? theo and galen are getting a drink and theo and galen are having a bourbon which relatable and he gets Meg another crown and coke which i also just realized doing my notes crown royal it's a royal drink Get it? <laughs> if you think that joke is bad, wait till you see the rest of my life. <laughs> so then Theo randomly, like, they're, they're talking and they're getting steamy and they're basically just checking that everyone's on the same page. So Theo randomly, like, tugs her hair and she doesn't go, what the fuck are you talking about here? She's like, oh. <laughs> Theo does lay it down for Meg. Mm, the yeah. three of them for the night. And Meg tries to get Galen to speak a bit more. And so he, he does. His quote is, I want to watch... I want to sit there while Theo slips a hand up your dress and plays with your pussy until you're coming and we're the only three people in this entire fucking club who know it. When you're shaking and wondering how it can possibly get any better, I'll have my turn. Oh, this prompts Meg to realise that they want to take turns with her like she's a merry-go-round. A Meggie go round, if you will. <laughs> I was so proud of that joke. It's true, though, is it not? <laughs> well, we learned that indeed. The merry-go-round is in business. Quote being, Theo and I have known each other a long time and we're very, very good at sharing. Mm. (laughs) But again, due to my boring basic straightness, this makes me uncomfy. (laughs) But at least they're not related. So I'm still along for the That is one way to do it, yes. So Meg then proceeds to ask if they're serial killers because this offer is basically too good to be true. And it's always better to be safe. 
Theo then says that they're not murderers. And Meg just responds with, that's something that a murderer would say. (laughs) Which is terribly accurate, but it's also terribly unfortunate (laughs) because you fucked if you do, you fucked if you don't. Yeah, exactly right. My like anxiety brain thinks that if I say it out loud, it cannot be a possibility. So if I'm saying to someone, you might be a murderer, there's no way in my brain that that could then cancel that they would be a murderer because I've said it. Look, Galen is like, let's bounce. So you can bounce on our collective penile. And Meg is trying to have some pride because she's trying to act like she's not very keen for the peni, but she is very keen for the peni. And Galen just says, who needs pride when you can be coming inside of five minutes? Oh. Oh. Yes. I'm oh. here for a good time, I mean, not it's... a long time, so I'm absolutely fine with that. So we oh, find out there. that the boys are definitely into each other too, which we love. We get this quote. If she said no, that would be the end of it. Theo would pay for her drinks see her to a cab, and he and Galen would head back to the loft they'd rented and work off some of their sexual (laughs) frustration on each other. Yes, yes, yes. They then get her verbal consent and they are touching her in the VIP lounge at the club. Beautiful, wonderful. Theo loves that she feels strong and muscled, which is, cannot relate to that. So they are then finger banging her, right? And then we get this. Just wait. Theo pushed a finger into her and cursed as she clenched around him. He pumped slowly, his cock jumping at the tightness that stole over Galen's expression as he watched. Theo finger-fucked Meg. Oh yeah, his friend liked to watch. Theo withdrew his hand and raised a glistening finger. Meg watched with wide eyes as Galen leaned forward and captured his finger in his mouth and sucked hard. Fuck. Sex was always rough and intense with his friend, but the new dynamic of Meg involved ratcheted up his desire for both Meg and Galen. Chef's kiss. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That was so much. So we continue. The sucking. The sucking. Of the finger. In the front sucking of the, of the finger. Him. So then they skedaddle because they need to, they need to continue this in a more private setting mm. and they grab a cab to go fuck each other. They do. So we're back with Meg in her POV and as they are grabbing said cab, a.k.a. taxi, a.k.a. Uber, Meg asks if they're in a relationship and Theo gives like a sometimes yes, sometimes no kind of answer and then her friend Kara is seeing her off into the sunset with these strange men She's met for no more than an hour and she's like, go, enjoy yourself, have the peen. And I like the sentiment, but also, ladies, please protect your friends. Men are fucked out there. Not all men. Yeah, too many. But most. At least have some, yes, too many. At least Be have some like my friend Taylor, in who, place. when Georgia decided to go home with a man, Taylor slept on that man's couch. <laughs> That is a good friend. She is a good friend. She is a good friend. Yes. I like that. Yes. That's Taylor. Really cool. Shout oh, out I to like you. That. that is so beautiful. Shout out, Taylor. So before they leave the club, they again double check to make sure that Meg is comfortable and consenting. Because remember, we're talking about a book, guys. Mm. And Meg definitely is. She's on board. They then get a cab to a penthouse looking out over Central Park. And she's thinking that they are just so rich. And so because they're rich, they probably have giant cocks. And it's like, 
no, Meg, they don't have giant cocks because they're rich. It's because it's a smart novel. <laughs> True. Theo is then walking around the rented penthouse like he owns it. Like, he's used to being in positions of power. So, again, we get these little hints of, like, backstory. Will we care about it? Probably not. Galen then grabs a stack of condoms and just, like, drops it on the table and then settles back to watch as Theo starts to kiss her. And the quote is, He took her mouth as if he had every right to it, as if it had been his all along and he was just now assuming ownership. Oh, beautiful. It's been a hot minute since we've had a Hoya. So Theo then positions Meg, right? Right. And just just get the logistics of the positioning. So her back is to his chest, and then his legs are spread, and he's got her legs like hooked over his legs. So that as he spreads his legs, he is spreading hers with his legs. Spread eagle, if you will. Like a like a buffet. So he's got her displayed for Galen to watch while Theo gets to work and some quotes to guide us through this scene are Theo's touch while authoritative and demanding was nothing less than reverent and Galen's gaze was on her as much as it was on Theo another quote did she want to show Galen what he was missing so he'd get his ass over there and touch her too fuck yes she did and I just wanted (laughs) to also add these two because they needed to be added, I think. We get this. She's so wet, Galen. Wet and Theo slid his hands beneath her panties and pushed two fingers into her tight. It's a good thing we're in the mood to play. Play like she was a toy they shared between them. And just to sprinkle this on there as well. Theo, please. Meg didn't know what she was pleading for. An orgasm, Theo, Galen. All three, and it is indeed all three. Theo then begins to finger her with his finger, and he says, I'll tell you a secret, princess. I've never met a man with better control than Galen. It's downright supernatural. It'll take a better show than this to get him over the here to put his hands all over you. If you make it very, very good, I'll oh even let him use his it's mouth. very warm in here. But not in the vagina area. You want a a temperature control down there so that the yeast levels don't get exacerbated. We like our pH levels to be on point. Exactly right. But Theo, a.k.a. Teddy Bear, teases Meg for a while. And then she admits she wants them both. Can't relate. One is enough for me, but that's fine. So Galen joins them in the fray. (laughs) As if it's a fight of penises. <laughs> the pe- and penile Have you ever seen giraffes fight on the Discovery Channel when they just use their heads? That's what I'm imagining. Look, I'm even in a brown sweater. It kind of works. If for those who are video only, Bryony is giving you a full mm. display of what we are imagining right now. <laughs> all right. Meg is getting there incredibly is. turned on by all of this attention. And just when she thinks that Galen is about to make out with her, he starts kissing Theo instead. So sweet. You get this bit where, like, his, like, rough face with his facial hair skims her as he goes for Theo. Yeah. She's like, oh. No. Just a, just a hard <laughs> no it. for me. Facial hair. I'm like, exfoliate me. Skin <laughs> I just... Scratch me up, baby. <laughs> no. So the quote we get is, 
No. No. Calling it a kiss was too mundane by far. Galen and Theo came together like two titans clashing, like opposing forces of nature where one had to submit or they would destroy each other. That is beautiful. So they swap positions. So Galen is now propping her up and Theo proceeds to literally just fucking yeet her underwear, like rip it right off her human. Galen then tells Meg not to move while Theo starts touching her. She agrees, and then we get a good girl. I think I just had an aneurysm. <laughs> yep. <coughs> oh, an aneurysm or an aneurysm? An aneurysm. We are coining this new phrase called an aneurysm. Aneurysm. That is our contribution to the scientific community. Yes, it, it is, and that's all you're getting. <laughs> the boys—they're working her like they're pumping up a football, but. They're not. You voluntarily put <laughs> pumping into this. Um, anyway, oh, we get this moment where Theo and Galen make eye contact while Theo goes down on her and this sends her hurtling, hurtling into an aneurysm. <laughs> <laughs> Theo then gets his dick out and again, of course, it's fucking <sighs> massive. It is a horse-sized giant cock. Schlong. To schlong. It's a schlong. What's that? See, there's, there's, um, what was it? A peenie, a peenie, and then a schlong. And that's, a schlong. That's your Starbucks penis size. Yes. Theo then uh, eases his massive schlong inside of her <laughs> vagina, uh, which is quite thoughtful of him, really. But Meg really <laughs> does not care for this, and she just wants full force of the schlong. She would like full, full force penetration. Mm-hmm. Galen then starts licking her while Theo is fucking her. Oh so logistics, he's licking her coochie while Theo is going in her coochie. So, so he, so she is like straddling friend. Galen, right on the yeah, couch. She's riding his face. So, and he is Theo is from behind fucking her, okay. and Galen has slid down underneath her legs to be eating her out, and his hands are over the top of Theo's hands. How's that makes a bit more sense? So, so if, and I mean, Theo's the quote is almost hitting his chin. He's exfoliating. <laughs> the quote is the sight of Galen's dark head between her thighs, of knowing exactly how close his mouth was to Theo's cock. Her whole body went tight, and she moaned. Yes, yes. I was confused about the logistics, but we've we've covered that, so we're all good now. Anyway, they all orgasm, and it's a whole time. Specifically, the quote is, he came with a curse and they both melted into a puddle on top of Galen. And just the imagery of two people melting into a puddle on top of someone else's face. I love it. It's just a lot. So post-fuck, they're getting a snack, a little snacky snack. And Galen gives her a bathrobe to put on and she realizes that she's recognizing their individual smells she's very observant though she can <laughs> identify each of their comments she's like an this animal is, tracker where they she's can, like, like this is trailer that's come <laughs> dropping some animals meg is also realizing that galen positions himself in any room where he can monitor from all angles and that theo is actually the one calling the shots so again getting plot plot power, power dynamics mm. and all that jazz yeah, it is. Although I don't think I'd ever recognize that or notice that in like a real person scenario ever. 
I'd just be like, oh, okay, you're sitting here. I'm standing <laughs> again, here. Again, just doing? Ellie is I no, boring I don't care about what she's Ellie doing. doesn't give a fuck what you're doing. She's only worried about what she's and doing. And selfish. Moving on. Galen right now is thinking about how this can only be for one night. But Theo, teddy bear, has other plans. We get more hints and a mysterious backstory, which is weird because we now have a plot line and I don't believe that's necessary for a 69-page book, but here we are. They play a weird game of, like, kind of hide hide and seek, which ends with Meg jumping on Galen and wrapping her legs around his waist saying, I caught you, and that (laughs) seems really weird. And not entirely sexy yeah. and definitely odd, but also like... Ellie's like, no, so, I'm not yeah. boring. I will jump on you. I've oh, been drunk oh, enough. No. You know the scene from The Notebook where she's like, say you're a bird. And he's like, I'm a bird. And then they're both birds in the water. And it's very cute. I've had that where I've been very, very drunk, lying in bed with Lockheed. <laughs> and I've been like, I'm a butterfly. Oh, and no. he's like, what? I'm like say you're a butterfly and he's like no I'm like you're a butterfly I'm like flapping my wings and and I like fully morphed into a butterfly like I emerged from my cocoon look (laughs) it's surprising that he chose to no I would have still chose Yaley fuck it up yeah yeah thank you thank you I have a beautiful wait 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 not anymore it's been ruined still choose you because even if you're a butterfly and you're like yeah my vagina my vagina is still nice my vagina is pretty oh. I have a nice vagina I'm like what and I just thought it was relevant to the storyline we then get this which is Meg seemed to sense the direction of his thoughts she slipped to her knees as graceful as a queen he'd know he'd seen more than one in his time Galen pushed the thought away just like he always did when memories of home threatened to intrude on his new reality. And it's like, what this is, is now, now indeed the backstory. So just take note, no, take notes of these information dumps. Plot line. Meg proceeds to give Galen a gobby. Oh, dear God. A gobby. <laughs> and the quote is, it only got better when Galen looked up to find Theo leaning against the bedroom door watching them with that possessive look of a king surveying his kingdom. So now the the royalty references are getting laid very thick. (laughs) Meg was apparently thoroughly enjoying giving Galen a slobby gobby, but then Theo is there. (laughs) A slobby gobby? Which also, Meg, why are you lying? Stop, you're a Um, fucking liar. We need to stop lying about our enjoyment about giving headshots, okay? Basically, Theo picks Meg up and yeets her onto the bed and then both men are getting all of their clothes off and their dicks out. And, of course, they are both massive. It's schlong central. Schlong city over here. It is grand schlong station over here. (laughs) Choo-choo. And the (laughs) the quote is, he kissed her as Galen moved up to her back, mirroring the position they'd held while dancing, except nothing stood between them now. There were no witnesses to watch Galen cup her ass and slide his big hand down to spear her from behind with his two fingers or to see Theo use his tangled hold on her hair to guide her to kiss first him and then Galen or to view her take each man's cock in her hand and stroke them. Oh, God, she truly is just... <laughs> That's a lot. She's like, like a subway artist, just... 
getting those oh. getting those there we're just ready those <laughs> six inches to put on slogs. just this episode is brought to you by subway <laughs> right well a quick side note here oh. on the whole slobby gobby fiasco the quote is for here at this point then there was no time for thinking because she sucked him deep until he bumped the back of her throat and then she took him deeper yet <laughs> I'm sorry. Does that yeah. mean she started to swallow his penis? Because I'm not. I'm not sure how much <laughs> space you've got to work was with. He, if the penis is already mean that he at went the back of your throat, in and then bobbed that back, and yeah. then she just. <laughs> and that's what people that's with what no, I mean. um, no vomit. Yeah, yeah, they can just literally they just start swallowing Gag it. Reflex. That's exactly what they have to do. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know that's what state snakes do? I cannot relate. I am not a snake. No, I cannot relate. Like, <laughs> as soon as it enters my mouth, I'm like... <sighs> so oh, she then right. takes um, Theo's cock into her gob and then Galen's cock right. into her vagina. Of course. And gosh, <laughs> this is a capacity issue for me. Yes. <laughs> Meg then takes a minute to adjust. But Fair. then she's thoroughly, thoroughly enjoying the spit roast his muscles flexed beneath her grip and galen's hands spasmed on her hip and clicked and she knew without a shadow of a doubt that they were kissing above her back while buried deep inside her and that might just be one of my favorite quotes because that is beautiful that visual i love that so we also get another quote at this moment which is she wasn't sure she believed in a god but she tasted heaven in Theo and Galen's touch. I'm not sure if she's just tasted the bodily fluids. JC. JC's still on the corner. JC, are you still here? Sit in the naughty corner. Theo decides that he most definitely (laughs) likes this and he would really, really like it to be more than a one-night thing. Galen is like, no. And Meg is like, no, but maybe yes. But then Galen and Meg end up distracting Theo with sex so that he forgets his commitment issues. It's the next morning. Galen and Theo are in bed and Meg is thinking about how much she likes them. But she has no time to date. And the quote is, Meg didn't have time to date, which we've just established. (laughs) Let alone to enter into a complicated relationship already in existence. If Theo and Galen weren't together together, they were still more than friends. Being third to anyone, let alone these two, was out of the question. Fun for a night? Hell yes. Fun for weeks or months or, God forbid, years? No way. Okay. This leads me into a discussion of polyamory. Do you know anyone who was in a polyamorous relationship? I don't personally know anyone. We know a human who she lived with two people and they had a baby and she was still living with the people and then she started taking time off of work when the baby was born and we were like why are you taking time off if you're just the housemate turns out she's not just the housemate she's mummy she's the third mummy too as as has been Ellie very boring well and selfish i cannot share like i said before i really like red table talk and willow talks a lot about her experience with being in open relationships and poly and all of that and for her, it's like she actually experiences joy from watching her partner be loved by someone else in that way. She, like, actually has – that's part of the joy for her. That's and nice. That's a nice way. I like oh, wow. that. I feel like if I experienced my partner having joy from someone else, I would be like, <laughs> 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 consent orders. 
There's also um, a podcast I used to listen to called Clit Talk, and they were like at the beginning, it was like seven women in all various different stages talking about all things, and it was just really great. I don't personally know anyone like an open relationship, like friends with anyone that is in a poly relationship or an open relationship, but like I follow a lot of people like on Instagram and stuff like that that are, and yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm one of those people I, I, identify as pan but I never necessarily want to put myself directly into one box forever so I'm just like I just love seeing people just be happy I think Mm -hmm. that's my whole thing I'm like a human I'm a person a people lover so I'm just like you being happy I love that for you you do that makes me happy seeing you happy I'm not personally I don't think I would be able to share my partner I don't know so either way, she leaves her number because she feels weird sneaking out like a thief after she had them and all of her holes and crevices, all the schlongs, peanut. She ends up walking past a room on her way out. It's an office and there's chatter coming from the office and the two hole fillers are chatting and <laughs> Galen <laughs> isn't happy again, of course, because he's just dark and broody, of course. He thinks... Theo is thinking with his penine and not his head. And we are unsurprised with this development. She sees Theo wearing a suit, which yes, chef's kiss. We like a suit. But she also finds out who he is, which is <laughs> royalty. Introducing Emilia Mignonette Thermopolis Renaldi, Princess of Genovia. <laughs> But really, it's not actually that. It's actually Theodore Fitzcharles III, former Crown Prince of Finalia, who is missing, a.k.a. the party boy prince who had somehow managed to lose his throne and devastate his country in the process, which kind of reminds me of that Charlene, whatever oh, the yeah. name is, who's the princess of um, uh... Monaco right now. She just went, like, went fucking missing for a while and tried to like mm. run away from her wedding. Gives me the same vibes. So, Meg is like, fuck me, I've got a skedaddle, this is too much. And she stares at his profile, like, one time through the little light crack in the door, and the quote is, he really was beautiful in the way of fallen angels, but a fallen angel was just a prettier name for a demon. Oh, love that. I love that. She's just taking a turn now. She's like, one minute, stick your head in my vagina, next minute, you're a demon, curse you out. The next quote we get is, she'd miss them, though. After spending a night in bed with a prince and his bodyguard, how could a normal guy compare? True. And the book ends... Yeah, look, she's not wrong. She's not wrong. The book ends with Theo and Galen chatting. We find out that Theo is in danger, and if he continues to see Meg, she will be too. So they're going to pack up their skedaddling as well. Everyone's eating the premises. Mm. (laughs) The poor maid that is going to have to clean up this apartment is in for a rude shock. (laughs) Anyways, Theo finds the number that Meg has left behind because she wrote it down and then she realised who he was and so there was all too late. And the book ends with this quote, with Theo saying, Game on, princess. So I immediately went out and bought the sequel. Uh. (laughs) So Bryony yeeted and got the sequel. Thank you, Katie Robert, for this. Thank you, Katie. But by the end of the second book, I was like, all right, the the itch is scratched. I'm good now. I think there's a third book, but I'm I'm scratched. I'm good. So... The book has ended. 
But we do have a music reference for you all. And it is Miracles Happen When You Believe by Mira. Purely because I wanted another Princess Diaries reference. So here you go. Please enjoy. Look, is it Miracles Happen because we didn't have a smart book with incest? Yes, that's it. Low clap. Look, we next need to up our on the podcast, we have What Lies Beyond the Veil, which I have ordered and it is literally sitting behind my bed in a package waiting to be opened. But after that, Yay. all right, fishbowl time. Okay. Green, that's a listener book. The Song of Achilles by <gasps> Madeline Miller. Yay! I'm so excited for this book. Yay! Next week, Please we've got Lies Beyond the Veil. Week episode. after, Song of Achilles. Get ready. These are books you want to be here for. We love you. That was such aggressive <laughs> affection. <laughs> Please remember to like, follow, and subscribe. Please rate us on all of our platforms because that is apparently very helpful. We would like your help, so thank you. Um, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at A Book and a Bev Podcast. Um, we post reels. We post aesthetic videos. We are posting quotes. We're giving you a lot of content, so please, please follow. Oh, yeah, we might be, we may or may not be having a gap <gasps> for dry July. So just a heads up. We will still have content for you guys during that time, but just a heads up. And we will be doing a giveaway soon because Georgia is literally 500 off of having 10K on TikTok. So if you would like to be a part of that giveaway, you need to find us and Georgia on TikTok. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Anyway. Anyways. Um, we'll see you guys. <laughs> We'll see you guys next week for another episode. All right, moving on. Bye. Bye.